0: Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Pop open your mind and a cold one, and get creative with your hosts, Bill and Barry.
1: What bubbles up? What bubbles up? What's poppin', everybody? And welcome to episode fifteen of this season of What Bubbles Up. (laughs) Woohoo! A show about ideas. Where do they come from, and how do you know when they're truly great? We've got a, a a really cool guest uh, on the podcast today, Barry. Uh, this is a, a surprise entrance into yes. the, the season's roster, but yes. a,
2: a good one nonetheless. And, yeah, time um, sensitive because we've got stuff going on in his life right now, so we're going to try to get this one up quickly.
1: Exactly, exactly. And and let's just give another a uh, vote of gratitude to our good friend Trisha Parks, who uh, our very first. Podcast guest who introduced us to this uh, young man we 're about to meet um, in due course, but first yes. the all important question at hand, Barry is what are you drinking
2: well you know phil we're recording here kind of in the middle of a of a of a noreaster here so i, I mm-hmm. um, uh, my my sister in law's up there on the, on the cape, and they 've lost power for like three days here with all the crazy stuff going on so and I went into the fridge, I actually saw Phil the very last Cape Cod red here, red, right. Return here. And Ooh. I thought basically to sort of like for, for basically to sort of like show that it, I'm thinking about all of our friends here on Cape Cod with no power. I'm going to drink my last summer beer here. So we'll <laughs> open this one up. Oh, there we go. There. All right, Phil, what are you, uh, oh, what are you nice. drinking? Uh,
1: even in supply chain shortages and storm based barren shelves, you still got yes. the last beer. That's very resourceful of you. Well, yes, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm not even sure why I haven't had this beer on this on the show before because it's a favorite mm. and, of course, very very local. Um, it's from our good friends DC Brow, which is mm. a, uh, uh, a a DC-based brewery. Um, and uh, uh, now that uh, Biden has just flown out to Europe to attend uh, many different things, we see all of the weirdness that's happening on Capitol Hill. I thought this beer was appropriate. It's called the Corruption uh, uh, India Pale <laughs> Excellent. Ale. Yeah, I thought it was fitting. Uh, let's hope the infrastructure bill gets passed. But uh, we're going to pop it open yes. right now. All
2: right. God. Oh, that's a good one. That'll yeah. be good. All right, mm. awesome. Well, while you're taking your first sip there, why don't I introduce um, Cole Carrigan, who is a producer... Uh, uh, for Motor Trend, and also, I think, most importantly, a producer for a really interesting project we're going to talk about here called Mega Galactic. So, Cole, welcome to What Bubbles Up.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Barry. This is yeah. uh, really great, and thank you, Philip, and uh, I'm really excited
2: to get bubbly. Yeah, there you go. So, so, what are you drinking? Tell us what you've got.
0: So, I've got something from the Trader Joe's section called Howling Gourds, and Ooh. It's a bunch of pumpkins howling. I was looking for a dinosaur beer,
2: <laughs> uh, too yeah. I didn't find any of those. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe there's, there's got to be one something. out there.
1: Yeah, yeah there must there's be. There's got
2: to be something. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, so dinosaurs super appropriate here. We're going to get into that, but mm-hmm. um, basically, um, Cole was kind of connected to us through a, a couple of folks that that we know, um, and uh, Cole is a storyteller. Uh, Cole is a producer, and he's got something going on right now that's very timely that we thought it would be a really fun conversation to have here, kind of about uh, what it's like to be an artist, what it's like to be a storyteller, but what it's also like to be a, a business person at the same time. Cole's in the middle of a big Kickstarter campaign, uh, raising rounds of funding here for a project, uh, Megagalactic, that he's going to be able to tell us all about. So. So, I mean, Cole, why don't we just sort of dive right in here? Tell, tell us a little bit. Like every story, let's just start at the beginning. Like, you know, cars, ramen, and dinosaurs. How did this whole thing kind of start?
0: So, um, you know, first of all, I, I I work as a producer, a marketing producer at Motor Trend. And so I've yeah. been on a bunch of shows. Um, I just did the newest MythBuster show, hmm. which was a huge success for us. Um, I worked guys. a little bit on. Yeah. Right. They're really cool. We have one of the original hosts on there. Yeah. Uh, Motor Mythbusters. And then I also did um, some on Kevin Hart. Yeah. And, and uh, the biggest project I did, which was last year, was uh, it was called uh, NASCAR All-In. And uh, I was in charge of the Bubba Wallace coverage. And mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was a pretty big success for us. I mean, yeah. Some of the coolest trailers I've ever made. Um, yeah. Got produced. And I, I, I do about 25 other shows. But I, you know. I love cars and I appreciate car culture, but I also really love science fiction and other avenues of creativity. So yeah. I called my writing partner and um, I asked him if we could go to ramen.
2: And while we were there,
0: <laughs> we I challenged him. I said, we're not allowed to leave the table until we come up with uh, a loose outline and a premise to a story. And so hmm. that was the longest ramen date I've ever been on. Uh, <laughs> Three and a half hours, and uh, we came up with a premise. It was not named at the time, but it was based off of a dream he used to have. When, when he was going to sleep and he had anxiety, he would think about this planet full of dinosaurs and how they would operate and, you know, how, how life would exist, right? Mm. And so we took that and brought it to the next level about a group of dinosaurs on a distant planet that left Earth uh, about 65 million years ago before the meteorite uh, struck,
2: mm.
0: the meteor struck, and the premise of the story is that this group of dinosaurs is living on this wonderful planet called Haven, and um, call it you know fate, irony, uh, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. But a giant mega rock is coming to destroy their planet called Haven, and there are um, signs that life still exists on Earth, and they created <laughs> to go back to Earth, and so it follows their mission through space to go back. To home, to Earth, and they don't know who lives on that planet, and so that's the adventure. Uh,
1: that imagine, awesome. imagine their disappointment when they find us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get a bill passed. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, um, that's awesome. So, uh, first of all, really original idea, really original concept, um, based on a dream, no less. Uh, sometimes that could be fraught with a little bit of difficulty. It sounds like it was cogent enough to actually be able to be turned into a, into a, a full-fledged idea, but let's, you know, this podcast is about ideas. So, um, is there a way you can sort of capture for our audience that the process of turning a dream into, into something, uh, you know, somewhat like reality, um, and, and just like the, the, the sort of perspiration that goes into the inspiration?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the first thing that I did was I wanted to create a multi-platform IP. You know, I wanted I wanted the James Cameron avatars, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and, I, mm-hmm. and I wanted the TV show, and I just knew that that stuff wasn't accomplishable unless if we started with something that was really small. And so the, the whole dream of this project was to create something from start to finish, conception to delivery, and I have the rights and the power to slide it across the desk to whoever's on the other side, a hardcover copy of my project. So we decided to do a graphic novel first. Mm -hmm. And um, essentially it's a roughly 350-page book um, separated into three parts. And um, every morning I would get up around 4.45 or 5 a.m., I'd go and train, and I would go to the office and I would write from about 6 a.m., to eleven thirty a.m. or twelve p.m. until someone was like, "Cole, we really, we really need to get this done today at work." And I probably <laughs> shouldn't be saying that, but but I, you know, a, a blood, sweat, and tears were poured in every morning to write the whole thing. And I would meet with my writing partner uh, three times a week, go through mm-hmm. the characters, go through the chapter that we wrote, and once we were done. Um, I went all over the world to find um a great artist and we 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 talked to about 20, 20 different artists before we landed on a gentleman named Tim Shin who's been a guest here who's yeah unbelievable yeah uh,
1: yes he is yes he is
2: tim is a uh, we we were so thrilled to have Tim on the show uh, just a few episodes ago he's awesome yeah so tell us a little bit about like what was it like meeting Tim I
0: was looking for an artist that had chops that wanted to get into the higher echelon of great graphic artists in the world. And so I went to Trisha, who I met through a mutual friend and she set me up with a couple of her artists. I know Trisha's this like through line of Hollywood mm-hmm. making everyone All throughout the country.
2: Yes. It's amazing. It's yes. amazing. She <laughs> <has> <laughs> knows so many people. It's amazing.
0: Yes. And so um, I meet with Tim and Tim's the only artist that I met that asked a million questions. He said, "Okay, so do the dinosaurs wear clothes? Okay, they don't eat each other. Okay, do they speak English? What about their mouths? Do their mouths move? <laughs> Are they on all four legs too? They're not like human dinosaurs. Okay, okay. And so he brings back this image of our hero, our protagonist, Clutch Remington, who's a T-Rex, and um, he's kind of a an older gentleman, and, and he kind of lives a life of vices, and he's getting his mojo back in this story. You know? Yeah." So, and, so they um, are
1: anthropomorphic.
0: They, like, they are, <laughs> yeah. So these dinosaurs, they're 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 on all fours and they're all original. There are no human dinosaurs in this story. That okay. that is wrong. That is so wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all we right. Wanted, you know, we wanted the original dinosaurs. You know, like we we want to humanize these characters uh, and and have people fall in love with them, have them be complex and relatable.
2: You know. Yeah, so. So, I mean, like, what did you, what did Tim start creating for you? Like you probably, you were writing scripts or you are writing the outline of the graphic novel and Tim started to do character studies or did he start to sort of storyboard out the, the graphic novel? Like, what was that process like?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, how I wrote the book was um, my writing partner and I decided to do it by storyboards. So, hmm. We wrote okay. a script along with a storyboard, and I described every scene in extreme detail. So that way, I wanted to show whatever artist I was bringing it to that we were extremely close to the final product. We just needed your brilliance and your vision and your talent. Okay. And so mm-hmm. Tim was really attracted to this idea. And the first thing that he and I started working on were character designs because those were all very specific in my mind. And I was like, some w- I know some will work but I know some won't work and we need to find out which ones will and which ones won't. And so we went through a whole, we went through a list. There's like, you know, there's like 15 different characters that are all main characters in the story. It's about an entire, you know, uh, a ship full of Mm -hmm. crew that we're calling the endurance. And, um, you know, some, some were hits and some were misses and then we kept bringing it down and Tim and I, we still meet twice a week to talk about all this. Mm -hmm. And, um, then we started getting into the chapters and he would draw out a sketch and we would check the notes and, and really, you know, it's, it's a pretty hands-off process because once you bring in another creative partner, you're instilling an amount of trust into them and you're asking them to get crazy with, with creativity and, and mm-hmm. you have to go along with it. You know what I mean? Cause that's, that's what we want. We want something. Yeah built out of brilliance and Tim brings that
1: yeah for sure what now I'm curious though because when we had Tim on he he talked about his relationship with Neil Adams and I would say it was a little bit top down you know Neil had the ideas and and Tim would execute but I'm kind of curious as to whether or not working with Tim or working with your writing partner frankly um, helped you evolve your thinking about the story or was it a little bit more one way and, and you need help people to help you execute
0: yeah well we wanted let me see how to answer that i think the best way when when we finished writing we knew that there were certain things that had to happen Yeah. Um, you know, we wrote the whole thing first because, you know, another f- favorite of ours is, you know, George Miller, right? He brought a storyboard to his mm-hmm. pitch for the latest, or that's yep. the story. We don't really know, but yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Said, it's probably true. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to do something like that, but you know, we we're storytellers and writers. And so like, yeah, we really did need help with executing because I know story and scenes. I, I don't know the rules
1: of, of, graphic art right
2: Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's a good point so so you've got you basically you you have then sort of the book written and you have the art written so what what made you then sort of go like okay now we have something but i need to make it a little bit more real so that we can actually go out and sort of push it across the table and try to get people interested in this multi-platform sort of multi-channel way like what what made you decide to to go to kickstarter what are you trying to do
0: so we didn't initially want to go to Kickstarter, but um, we had this kind of core vision. And when I say we, I really mean me, because I was determined that the public would love this project. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't want to just sell it off or, you know, kind of lose the integrity of the vision. Um, I wanted to carry it all the way home. And, and remember, the goal was to get a hardcover copy, slide it across the, the marble table that you're sitting at with, you know, the NBA <laughs> uh-huh. or something. Like yeah, some big studio that's yeah, the and right. i'm still going for it and i'm not gonna yeah. give up yeah. get there and mm-hmm. um and so we wanted to create a graphic novel because it shows off the aesthetic the style of the story and it sets the precedent of the characters right mm-hmm. so yeah you know sequels have been thought of and um oh, wow and and other things have been thought of but nothing's done pen to paper yet and so if we ever get to that point, which I, I, I think that we will, um, we have an established like foundation and a cornerstone. Right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So what Very are you, what cool. are you trying to get the funding to do then? Do you, are you trying to sort of mass produce the book? Or are you trying to, what? what's the idea there?
0: Yeah. So we uh, calculated about 25 grand would do, do us wonders here. Um, I'm not going to get a cent of it. So don't worry guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so it all goes towards fulfillment legal fees production the artwork mm-hmm. itself um and uh you know getting a lot of copies we want to, we, we need a ton of copies because we need to distribute this everywhere you know yeah
2: yeah so yeah. so there's something about Kickstarter that because it's not like oh, okay I found like one angel investor it's you know thousands of people who actually have paid in in many instances, I think in the best instances, they share your passion for the content, right? They're really excited. They they want to invest less to make money and more because they just want to sort of see this cool idea happen, right? They want to consume it themselves. They want to eventually be able to get that graphic novel and sort of see the book. Like 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 talk talk about what it was like to kind of stand up Kickstarter and, and some of the things that you've kind of learned along along the way.
0: Yeah. Well um you know, I'm not in the t-shirt business. And, I'm not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not in the t-shirt business. I'm not in the, um, in the printing business. I yeah. was thinking about publishers. Um, but there was only one publisher that I wanted. Yeah, and yeah. so I sent them an email and I gave them an outline. I gave them a script and I showed them some art. And I think they sent back, I, I don't actually really remember, but I think they sent back some really sweet notes because um saga by brian vaughn and fiona staples is what really inspired us to do this yeah yeah yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. that was a book that we fell in love with and we would read over and over again in terms of storytelling and style and characters and um i was a big fan of of brian and i know a couple i know one of his mentors really well and um so I reached out I, I reached out to one publisher, and I only wanted them, and I think they sent back a really sweet note, but it was essentially like a no thank you. And I was like, okay, no problem. I'm not going to go to anybody else. I'm not interested. So it's all going to be self-published. You know, all yeah. west out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of answering your question for Kickstarter, like it was really, you know, this conversation of art and commerce is, really comes up here because um, I have a little bit of of a business background. Um, and it was really interesting to see. It's like, okay, so Kickstarter takes 5% here, 5% there. Uh, Okay. And then another 2% there. All right. So they're going to take 12% of everything that I'm doing. So I had to do a lot of, of calculations on what's going to happen with, with the dollars and where, where does the money go? And then, you know, yeah, yeah. sure that, Printing these books, I mean, how much is an expensive book to print? Is an $8 book really expensive to print if you're charging, you know, $45 for it? You know what I mean? And we aren't doing that. But these are the kinds of questions that come up. And this is where mentors and doing your research is
2: really important. Yeah. Yeah.
1: well so so correct me if i'm wrong you didn't go straight to kickstarter though you were thinking about um uh, other means of 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 getting revenue and you talked to some other investors and just realized the partnership wasn't going to work out so so i'm kind of curious and i think some of our listeners would be as well as to what about those potential relationships made you turn the other direction go to kickstarter um was it what they expected in return coming from a financial angle, or or was it just the, the ways of working and and, and the partnership wasn't there?
0: Um, I don't want to say that the partnership wasn't there. The partnerships and the people that, um, you know, a couple of people have, have offered to buy out this entire project. Yeah. I turned them down because again, I want the public to fall in love with the project because I'm writing for the people. Right. And yeah. I want them to love it. I want them to throw their dollars at it. And <laughs> I don't want, you know, like said, with respect, I don't want a couple of people that I've met once or twice to be like, I'll take, I'll take the whole thing. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. this is right. I'm, I'm
1: here, you know, like like, shark like, take. <laughs> <first night>. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Right. My blood's wet and tears. You can't have it. Um, <clears throat> well, but so, I think there's yeah. something,
2: I also think there's something around like artistic control and artistic kind of integrity and you really want to be able to shepherd things and it's tricky Mm -hmm. kind of when you're kind of at i would argue cole's career stage right so you've got a fantastic idea you've got the you know your advantages are your um are your energy and your sort of determination and kind of your talent um and but I think, I think there are a lot of people that just kind of come in with kind of easy money and want to just sort of like railroad that. And like, well, I sort of wrote the check, so I'm going to make these decisions. And, you know, frankly, long term, I actually think both on the art perspective and on the commerce perspective, sometimes those relationships are really poor, right? There are, there are other times where, you know, there can be angel investors that are really fantastic. But I, look, <laughs> Phil, a lot of the things that we work with people to create every day, are a lot like Kickstarter, right? We prototype you know digital products that we make. We prototype websites that we make, we prototype these things, and we kind of almost like rush them to market to start yeah. to get instant feedback. That's what Kickstarter is, right? Mm-hmm. Kickstarter isn't like one isn't like whining and dining one customer yeah. and like sort of like seducing them out of a bunch of money it's literally throwing it out there in like the harsh reality of like public school right in between classes you like you everybody sort of sees it everybody has an opinion mm-hmm. and i would argue that if you're able to raise money on kickstarter that's not just sort of like hey isn't it great you know it's a great way to raise money it actually is kind of a judgment of the quality that's and right. the potential of the of the thing because so many people are involved so i love it from that aspect as well
1: yeah i mean you 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 brought up this sort of <clears throat> seemingly at odds with one another dichotomy of art and commerce. And we've had other guests on the show who um, I'm thinking back to uh, our artist friend, Steve Prince, who talked about, you know, the the making a statement with your art, but also making a profit from it. And those are not actually competing concerns. Um, And what I think Kickstarter does is show not just hey, people like this thing, but there's commercial viability to it. So I yep. think it's it's sort of like the pursuit of all pursuits to do what you love and get paid for it, essentially. That, yeah. That's sort of like the Holy Grail.
2: I actually think that crowds have pretty good taste. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> small pockets of people that have lousy taste. You know what I'm saying? And I, I always worry when those small pockets of people have disproportional say in what yes, the crowds want. Exactly. I kind of dig Kickstarter. They ought to be freaking special sponsoring us we're like sucking up to them too much here but but uh, but i kind of dig i kind of dig the platform for that because it it actually is i would argue sort of a voting platform on quality Mm -hmm. as much as it is sort of like this person seems to have a good business plan Anyway, talk to us a little bit cole about what's some of the stuff that you made like you made a trailer you you like like how does this work just for people who are less familiar with kickstarter
0: yeah, so um, I have the market background, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have that skill set. So I kind of understood the assets that we would have needed hmm. to properly market a project like this anyway. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, mystery behind the production process, and I'm sure your listeners know it pretty, pretty well, but mm-hmm. a lot of people have no idea kind of how it works. And like, yeah. you know, it starts with the, okay how are we going to market this thing? We need a trailer. Okay. How long is the trailer going to be? I don't know, but what do we need? What do we need to cover? You know? Yep. And so yep. I put a shoot together and, um, you know, uh, self-funded the entire project. I mean, all of this is self-funded and so I'm not a pro bono kind of guy. I, I, I really believe that if you're, if you're doing something, um, you deserve to get paid no matter what and yep. no exceptions and, um, And, you know, I, I settle all my debts and that's kind of where the core of this comes from It's like, okay, well, if we're going to do a shoot, it's gotta be the best. How are we going to make it the best? Who are we going to go to? And so I, I, you know, I know the camera crew that I could use. I I know them very well. I worked with the DP, designed some of the shots, found a great location in, um, in the downtown district of LA I looked at, um, you know, it's, it's weird. I looked at fashion warehouses because Mm. I wanted create something that was hyper stylized and very big. And so like we created a trailer and had an entire shoot day where we were interviewed and we also talked about each character and we talked about the premise from there. I took it and I got all the footage and I edited a trailer together. So I made a yeah. couple of trailers, um, one was a minute long. Another one was 60 seconds or no, a minute long. And then another one was 30 seconds, 15 seconds gifs. Um, And then character profiles for each, which we actually never ended up using. Hmm. So, you know, you have to think about this layered element of your marketing because this is the stuff that's going to present your idea the best, right? You know, so watch kind of trailers and make sure that you know what's in a good trailer, right? And that's something that I do professionally on the side. So I had a little advantage there.
2: Yeah. So. I mean, just to kind of like cut to the chase, like the, the Kickstarter campaign is ongoing, right? We've got another like dozen days, I think, or something around exactly. there. Yep. But you've already hit your goal, and now you're into your stretch goal. So how does that work? Like what, like what, what are you going to do now that you're going to kind of go into your stretch goal? And why should people keep contributing?
0: Well, we have the stretch goals. We just announced them, which is really great. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I met an incredibly talented man named Lennon mm-hmm. Lepert in los angeles who um created a bunch of signature music tracks for the project so that's the first stretch goal oh very helped. cool
1: so, that's cool. yeah that's awesome there's
0: also an extra t-shirt in there and extra pins and so these knickknacks and um the final the final uh, stretch goal is um uh, and an inside look into the next tablet so I wanted to create um, something that's incentive for the fans, right? I mean, you can get your own custom dinosaur for a couple hundred bucks on there, and, mm. and mm-hmm. you know, we'll put that in the background and make sure that they play a role in some capacity. And um, you, know, you know, we we want this to be something that's loved by everybody because I remember seeing the most canteen canteenish scene and thinking, "Holy crap! Who the hell is that werewolf guy? What does he do?" You know, and so yes, we, yes. <laughs>
1: The yeah, we want to Martin.
2: Uh, yeah, Martians. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, that, that now have starring roles. They have a whole new life here in the in the Mandalorian, Phil. So, yes, there you go. exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I've always wondered so, out yeah. where the blue dancing lady from Jabba's Palace uh, went. What What's her story? Where'd she go off to? Oh, wait, she was eaten.
2: My bad. Yes, there <laughs> you <laughs> go, there you go. Well, yeah, that <laughs> tends to cut short your career when that bit. happens, Phil. That's how a that works. Bit. Yeah. I well, I, I was eaten when So yeah, yeah, careful there. (laughs) there. (laughs) True, true. So so let's roll, let's roll into our steel here, Phil. So I mean, like to me, this is really an awesome story. Like I love I love the blending of um, you know, sort of Cole's day job and his passion and how he's kind of brought it to life, and clearly already a success on Kickstarter. And we'd love to have, you know, listeners to this podcast contribute to sort of like even reaching those stretch goals. But you know, of everything that kind of Cole talked about today, Phil, like what what are you going to steal? What do you think the listeners to the podcast should steal in their own work?
1: Well, um, well, first of all, thanks for for sharing your story, and and uh, you know, even the Kickstarter process itself uh, was a bit of a mystery to me. I mean, funny enough, I co-host a podcast about ideas, and I don't have any of my own that I want to get funded. So, uh, good, good good to know. Good to know the, how, how the process goes. I think for me, one of the things um, that really resonated with me was uh, obviously, well, there's really two things. One, just sort of the fearlessness and the, and the conviction with which you've, you've frankly attacked the, this initiative. You knew exactly, you had a visual in your head of what the culmination of this process would be. Literally a, a, a hardbound piece of something pushed across the marble table, so to speak, um, We used to do these exercises in some of our ideation and brainstorming work called Visual Visions, where Mm. you would uh, create a cover for a a, a magazine of your choice and write the article in say Wired or Fast Co. or whatever it is uh, on the success you would create at the end of the project. Yeah,
2: Yeah, the magazine cover three years in the future. What do you want it to read? Right.
1: Exactly, and I kind of see this but made manifest through Kickstarter. Uh, and uh, I think there's something sort of magical about that, sort of manifesting uh, your, your dream, literally an idea that came from a dream, and bring it to, to reality. The other side of this, is, though, is something for our listeners to steal, is you don't have to suffer for your art. Uh, I think there's, there's a, a, a misconception that uh, if I haven't spent 10 years just sort of slugging it out on the streets... Uh, I'm not a real artist, and, and and I didn't make any money off it. No, no like, there, there are so many avenues now for creative people to yep. do what they love and get paid for it. And um, sort of the, the self-starter uh, aspects of this is also something to be admired. So, yeah. you know, uh, know what you're worth. This is basically what, what I'm going to steal yep. from this, and others should as well. Barry? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's funny. I, I'm I'm just having, uh, you know, I'm remembering our conversation with Rich Siegel and all of the mm-hmm. novels that he self-published, that whole sort of thing. I think that's really interesting. That's right. You know, and then, you know, we talked with Kathy Happenstall, and she's sort of working with large larger sort of like publishing firms. They're both really interesting avenues. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to steal uh, t- two things here. So wh- one, in reality, what I love about what Cole did is he really sort of thought big picture. He recognized that this was not a book that they were coming up with there while they were chewing on their fourth bowl of ramen or whatever it was you do in <laughs> three and a half hours. Um, you got uh, that char Yeah, probably there. probably a lot of drinking actually in one bowl of ramen is that's typically how I would do it. Probably. Um, yeah. But uh but but that there's the, the the characters are a thing, sort of like the there are multiple stories within here. That sort of early recognition that I think um, you know, we often kind of coach a lot of the people that we work with phil to kind of think bigger like how how Mm -hmm. is this sort of an idea beyond just sort of this initial solution to this one execution or this one problem i loved the way that cole approached that i thought that that was very sophisticated and then also recognizing that we needed the one thing to sort of make it real like this there's still nothing as powerful as a printed sort of physical object that you can actually sort of slide across the marble desk i don't know who these days in in Hollywood has a marble desk, but whatever. There you go. Maybe you'll you sell you'll sell to someone who works at Olympus Mount Olympus or something. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. The second the second idea, which I sort of like half jokingly say, is any idea with dinosaurs is a good idea. That's basically sort of like the second thing.
1: Like Instant I freaking
2: love dinosaurs. I love it. I yeah. sat here like daydreaming half through uh, this podcast, trying to imagine the size of a spaceship that can carry sort of these dinosaurs. You know, oh, yeah. if they're actually to scale, that's going to be fantastic. So I, I am looking forward to seeing that. I'm
1: looking forward but to uh, Michael Bay making this movie. I think,
2: yes, I, <laughs> well, be... I don't know. Can we have someone with a little bit more subtlety, Phil, okay. please? Uh,
1: sure. Sure. I, yeah, I'll, I'll think of a name later uh, and I'll, yes, I'll let you know Cole, we'll who we come with up that. with.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, Cole, so like, tell us a little bit, like where can people go if they want to learn more about this project or to contribute?
0: Um, absolutely search up mega galactic Kickstarter on Google. I'm sure that'll take you right there. And if that doesn't go on to kickstarter.com and look at mega galactic, um, and, uh, take a look at the the page and the pitch and watch hmm. the trailers and look at the backer awards and buy yourself a copy. And I can't wait to ship it to you. If you enjoy yeah. it,
2: that will be awesome. I love the comments too. I love the little commentary you've got going on in there. It's, it's pretty yeah. good. It is. So it is. Uh, thank you very much to, uh, to, to you know, Cole Kerrigan for joining us, producer for Mega Galactic. Um, Phil, why don't we actually kind of go to our clo- close here? You Let's
1: think? do it. Let's do it. All thank right.
2: you so much, So Paul. another sort of like awesome episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to What Bubbles Up. If you haven't subscribed yet, please uh, crush that. Like button and, <laughs> and subscribe. I don't know. I'm trying to say what the kids uh, say, Phil. That's what hit. they do. Very good. No, that's hit. me. To so road. you can find us on Spotify, uh, on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and about a dozen other sort of like platforms. Phil?
1: Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you so much to Cole Kerrigan, producer. And creator of the Mega Galactic Multiverse, hopefully maybe coming to a theater or bookstore or virtual <laughs> store near you. NFT.
2: I want the NFT. Phil. Oh yes, you
1: yes, know? we do need some <laughs> NFTs on that. I would, I would, that would be very cool. Uh, yes, idea. We will see you on there the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers. What bubbles up? I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, what bubbles up? I feel it's pumping off my bottle cap. What bubbles up?